0: Welcome to the latest episode of the Proximo podcast. This is your host Maisie Clark reporting to you from London. On today's podcast I'm very pleased to be joined by Rodrigo Delavo, a legal counsellor and head of public law at Chilean law firm Morales and Beza. Rodrigo received his JD and an LLM degree from the Universidad Católica de Chile and his PhD from the University of Chicago after being awarded with the Russell Baker Scholarship Fund for PhD studies as well as the co Sandor Institute Scholarship for Law and Economic Studies. He is an expert in constitutional law, comparative constitutional law, economic analysis of public law, regulatory law, public litigation and constitutional interpretation. He has performed as a law professor for more than 20 years in Chilean universities and at the University of Chicago, as well as appearing as a regular lecturer in international seminars and a consultant litigator for both public and private institutions. He was a member of the commission appointed by the Chilean House of Representatives for drafting a new constitutional rights procedural bill, as well as many other constitutional amendments and statutes. In 2019, he was elected deputy justice for the Constitutional Court of Chile. Rodrigo, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Macy. It'll be really great to get your perspective on this topic. I think a good place to start would be to give our listeners a brief background to the current state of the renewables industry in Chile and the legislation that already exists to facilitate growth in wind and solar.
1: Okay, um, so a good place to start would be, um, giving a general background, um, I would say about of the total installed capacity um, in the, let's say, national electricity system, about 53% corresponds to the generation based on renewable resources. That is uh, mainly hydroelectric, uh, photovoltaic, solar, biomass, and geothermal. The other 46%, it's mainly thermoelectric plants using regular uh, natural gas, coal, or oil. Now, uh, regarding the legal frame and, and the current legislation, I would say um, it's very protective towards property rights. Um, uh, the environmental regulations are uh, somehow strict. And we are, uh, let's say, a country with a very uh, brand mark of respect to, uh, of rule of law. I would say that would be the, the general frame. Now, regarding the the proposed text of the constitution, right, which is going to be voted in a referendum early uh, September, there seems to be two opposing ideas and tension uh, towards energy. And on one hand, it has a very bold attitude towards the environmental protection. Uh, I would say nature. Uh, or natural resources are mentioned in about 96 times or a hundred times within the text. Nature has rights just as people or individuals. And there's even a a public agency uh, in charge of defending nature uh, as its rights. So it's very, uh, let's say avant-garde regarding the the constitutional uh, or the comparative constitutional uh, frame. However, um, it put many restrictions in certain areas. One would be water, right? By changing the, the use rights that are protected today to administrative permits, right? And also in in air, in the use of air. It's also declared uh, nature's good that has to be administered by the the government. There's uh, also uh, some provisions uh, uh, declaring that energy infrastructure is declared of public interest directly by the constitution, constitution, which means that that might be subject of a taking without going through the Congress and giving direct power to the agency for that taking. Also, due compensation uh, for taking has been replaced by the fair price concept. which was more, let's say, liquid. But in a general uh, approach to this issue, I would say uh, uh, at the moment, just in in this draft, that has to be yet voted early September.
0: Yeah, definitely. And slightly more specifically, how is the current drafting of the new constitution addressing the energy transition? And is it specified?
1: Well, that will have to be addressed in the transitory uh, provisions that are uh, already being discussed as we speak. And it has to be finished by late June. So we really have no idea how the outcome of that discussion would be in how the uh, transition towards a more strictive energy legal frame would be for the future. However, there's a very delicate balance between energy production and and environmental protection that in the um, proposed uh, constitution, it's in a way viewed as a dichotomy. or Either you have energy production or you have complete environmental protection. So that might trigger a new set of problems in terms of how the compatibility, the compatibility, sorry, would end. Because usually when a project gets developed, there's, you know, some compensations that goes to communities or or even to the environment. But they usually don't exist like in two different worlds, right? They just have happens very same place. So we are still wondering what, what the result would be.
0: Yeah, so if we move on, Chile still generates a third of its electricity from coal, but it aims to close half of its coal plants by 2025 and all of them by 2040. How on track is Chile for this target and will any of the proposed articles influence this?
1: Well the original intent was to achieve uh, what was called the 2020 rule right that, that, that by 2020, the 20% of the matrix was just renewable clean energy. And that was surpassed by far. So they set this new goal for 2025 and then 2040. So, so far, so good, I would say, towards that issue. Uh, But there's, I mean, if we connect that to to what has been proposed in the Constitution, I see no direct link or necessary outcome from constitutional provision to a more improved environmental performance now if you look you know in a comparative constitutional area if you take the let's say top 20 countries in environmental performance there's an environmental performance index the EPI which is done by the UN every year so half of them half of those countries have very specific provisions in the constitutions towards environmental protection. However, if you go to the other side of the, of the list, right, to, to, to the bottom, you know, the 20 countries with the worst environmental performance, all of them but four have a very strong and robust constitutional protections toward the environment. Right, so uh, it's, it's, it's not a, just a logical step from having a very strong environmental protection within the constitution and then having that applied or executed at the let's say real. So, so, I would hold my hopes towards that,
0: and in Latin America more widely. The main issues faced in achieving a so called just energy transition seem to be social environmental conflicts and the intensification of the extraction economies. What are the key factors and issues faced in Chile in terms of achieving a just transition? And are they being considered in the drafting of the constitution?
1: Well, there has been an old debate in, let's say, Latin America, saying that, you know, some people would say, well, you know, the rich countries make make themselves rich like 100 years ago by using way more say pollution friendly resources right and and now they are demanding from us which are you know developing countries more strict levels of compliance towards environmental protection so how can we get our people out of poverty if we're not able to do at least, you know, some kind of pollution. That's, that's you know, one of the arguments that is, are placed at different levels, both political and technical. So this delicate balance in order to get a country developed with this new standard, standard plays a very delicate balance between, you know, development and environmental protection. I am precisely concerned that public policy is by definition adjustable and subject to both democratic and technical changes. And when you define that at the constitutional level, it might not be the best option in terms that constitution, it's supposed to be rigid. It's supposed to be stable. It is supposed to have some endurance over time. And, you know, adjusting this typical public policy balance between development and environmental protection should not be addressed by, let's say, more permanent provision. Now, the proposed text of the Constitution, it's not only regarding um, more, let's say, environmental principles. There are also about 27 new bureaucratic agencies that are being created or incorporated into the text. So that puts a lot of barricades um, for new environment-friendly projects, not also the more, let's say, old-fashioned kind of uh, energy producers, such as coal and gas, but also for the new ones. They still have to go through the environmental procedures and agencies there and, and paperwork. And I would say even now, the main problem for developing projects in Chile, although we have a very clear legal frame, would be permits and lengthy bureaucratic procedures. For any kind of project, takes literally years of paperwork before any physical construction is made, even before reaching the community, even just before you know, placing your project, I mean, physically facing your project. So if the Chilean so-called brand mark of, uh, so far, uh, has been the respect of rule of law, well, let's hope that seal is not, uh, in an eventual future constitution. I'm really concerned about this whole new set of agencies. Maybe, maybe you can still have, you know, same agencies with new powers, new standards, but I wonder if more bureaucracy would lead uh, directly to more, I mean, to balancing those two goals, like more energy development and more environmental protection automatically
0: yeah and as you touched upon there the length of the bureaucratic processes before even reaching the community that's something kind of reaching the community has been something historically in Chile that has been seen to be a bit of a weakness is there anything being drafted within the constitution to address Mm -hmm. Chile's kind of so-called poor record on community engagement and consent for infrastructure projects
1: well it's been addressed and in one particular case being addressed, let's say in asteroids. I will frame uh, my, my answer here. First of all, community engaging uh, has been in our environmental act since the 90s, last, uh, yeah, late, uh, late 90s. Now, about 10 years ago, the community consult, I wonder if, if that is the right word, community consulting, uh, it's mandatory within the environmental procedure for any kind of project. I mean, energy or even real estate or any other kind of project. The Convention 169 from the International Labor, Labor sorry, Organization on indigenous and tribal people, um, it's the main international instrument on the rights of native people was ratified by Chile in 2008, and it's mandatory to consult indigenous people um, if the project affects one of their lands and so on. However, the new proposed text of the constitution, it's going beyond that. It's granting indigenous people, actually, it's more about the indigenous territories, uh, which are yet to be defined we have no idea where are they or or where the the limits are going to be placed. They grant them veto power over everything that might affect them in any way. So it might be challenging because they do not have the same concept as territory as we have, right? In 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 a, with actual boundaries. So what is, so-called affecting them and this only put up upon the, uh, uh, the people who live in these territories. There's also a promo of representation giving that two-thirds of the Chilean indigenous people, which is, I mean, in total, they're about 10% of Chilean population. Two-thirds of them, they live in cities on or urban areas. So will they be represented as well, or only the ones that are living in the special territory. So the big issues are not whether there is engagement at all. Indeed, there's plenty, uh, but how to solve that? Within communities, there are also opposing factions uh, with people not wanting to have a project while others seek uh, a, a chance not only for let's say, better, cheaper, cleaner energy, but also a job opportunity that might bring some prosperity to poor uh, communities. So that kind of problem, I don't foresee that are going to be solved at a constitutional level, right? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I know this isn't your necessarily your area of expertise, but how, if at all, is the Writing of the Constitution affecting things like banks' risk management when it comes to financing transition projects?
1: Well, uh, a lot of things that are indirect might be affecting the uh, banking and financing industry. Regarding that, there are very specific industries that are being targeted by the Constitution, like telecommunications, energy, infrastructure, mining, real estate development to name a few. So that new set of, let's say target regulation will be also affected by new scheme of, let's say more general provisions towards economic activity, property rights, some environmental issues, new administrative divisions, and uh, also a new judicial system, which is divided now. It's not going to be just one national judiciary but several judiciaries regarding their territories. so all of, all of this and, and of course um, some other provisions towards labor they're going to, have to affect you know the relations probably between workers and, and, and entrepreneurships and uh, that might uh, also affect you know some of the, of the actual frame that banks and financing might have within their scope at the moment of financing. I'm not setting any alarms uh, at the moment, but all of these principles or standards uh, has, have to be downloaded to statutes. okay? So there's still like a, you know, second click that has to be done towards constitutional provisions uh, that are not decided yet and we have. We will have to uh, wait until the legislation adjusts to these new uh, principles set forth in the constitution. If it gets approved by September.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well. Thanks, Rodrigo. I'm afraid that's all we have time for, but thank you so much for taking the time to join me on today's podcast. It's been a really interesting discussion, and it will be fascinating to see what comes to fruition in September when the draft constitution is put to a referendum.
1: Not at all. Thank you, Macy. It's been a blast, and let's hope it's helpful for anyone.
0: Thanks. Thanks again to Rodrigo, and thanks all for listening. I'd just like to take a moment to remind listeners of our upcoming Lisbon event. On the 8th and 9th of June, we will be in Lisbon for Proximo Europe, which is shaping up to be the most forward facing infrastructure and renewables event for the European market. With a trailblazing agenda and leading changemakers, it's an event not to be missed. Join us for two unmissable days in Lisbon for all things infrastructure and renewables. TXF Global 2022 will be in the same city on the 7th to the 8th of June, the largest export agency and project finance event. You can network with all the delegates at our joint icebreaker taking place on the 7th of June. Find out more and book your place on our websites. If you're a Proximo member, take advantage of your 30% discount. Email Darcy at darcy.bell at proximoinfra.com for your discount code.